Today is episode 383. I'm back with my bride, Terry. We're actually not recording from the studio, but from our house amidst a crazy blizzard here in Colorado. Please forgive the lesser audio quality as a result. In show 373 and 374, we played clips from Zig on marriage and then had some candid discussion, got rave reviews, thank you. So today we listen to Zig talk on parenting, but what we cover is just as relevant for any of us personally. Here we go. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we continue the legacy of Zig Ziggler, the world's foremost authority on the fuel for everything we pursue, motivation, inspiration, and a confident self-image. We apply that fuel to leadership, personal growth, sales, faith, family and success our foundational purpose is to inspire true performance and this is the goal of every show i'm kevin miller show host and devoted evangelist of inspiration tom ziggler zig's son and the ceo of ziggler and i come to you every week to discuss zig's teachings and bring you the absolute best of today's most inspirational leaders we get down to the roots of what will absolutely expand human potential your potential to it so folks parenting this was a primary focal point of zig ziglar along with sales and business success and faith and marriage but probably the least popular why well honestly the topic of parenting just is not a big seller we're selfish people and we're far more likely to invest time and money into information that serves us directly at face value, something for our business or personal uh, income or our health and wellness or something like that, Uh, and not as prone to invest in our kids, just truth. Now, if you raise kids well, of course it makes your life better, and that is Um, self-serving. But I know a lot of parents who are flat out miserable or, or at best merely endure and tolerate the demands and behavior of their kids. But, you know, today Zig is talking to us from the topic of his book, uh, one of the best-selling books he ever had, Raising Positive Kids in a Negative World. And actually, I say it's best-selling. It's very popular. It's not near as best-selling as his uh, books, again, on business or personal development because we as a culture are not as prone to invest, again, in our kids. But this is primarily focused on growing our kids up well. As Andy Andrews said in show 351 with us here at Ziegler, Our job is not to raise great kids, it's to raise great adults. And I'd offer, if that is not our goal, then what do we have kids for, just as pets? Well, so to Zig's talk here, folks, the book was written, just for some context, in 1989. It was revised in 2002. Today I'm talking to you from 2016. Zig leads off asking if it's tougher to raise kids now than when he was a kid. So as we're talking a couple decades, even even later on, well, it's even more different. And that is what Terry and I are going to discuss. And, and interest, interestingly, Terry's heavily involved in childhood developmental research today uh, here in Colorado Springs at an agency that that's their focus. And they have national branches that do this. And so she's going to bring us some very current, some completely current information on the same topic that Zig is talking about. So we're going to bring it right into the modern age here. But, you know, we have seven kids, uh, ages six to almost 21. We've been parenting a long time. We're still in the thick of it. One last thing before, or, or, or something else before we listen in here. I mean, I hear people comment once in a while that Zig's talks are somewhat outdated. The context of his talks absolutely can be, as you may hear him talk from 25 years ago or more, but the points of them are absolute. It's why his material is so in demand today, why we're here today with a Ziggler show that's one of the top podcasts on the planet. So I ask you just not to get derailed if he talks in context of the time period 
that he's in that's in the past. I mean, I read my Bible this morning and I reeled from its truth, even though unlike its authors, I don't live in their context. I don't have a long beard, dress in robes and fish or herd goats for a living. All right, so uh, before I bring you this clip from Zig and then we dive in, we've been talking about joining Tom Ziegler in his Live to Win Seven Weeks to Balanced Success System. And a lot of you guys have done that and gals. Uh, we grilled Tom on this focal point, on this system in show 381. You can check that out if you did not hear it. But this is something where you can pick from multiple dates and, and realistically start pretty much any time. I mean, it's dated, so you, but you can sign up for the next class. Tom walks with you through the four pillars of the system, uh, and, and the highlighted pillars are the fastest way to success, number one. Number two, the wheel of life, the secret to balance to success. Number three, the sequence to success. Number four, the three things goal achievers do. So you can see how easily and quickly you can get involved with your pursuit of living to win by going to zigshow.com L-T-W, as in live to win. Zigshow.com, L-T-W. Use the code ZIGSHOW when you register. It'll take $107 off the already reduced price. This is only for Ziggler Show listeners, okay? Okay, see it again, zigshow.com slash L-T-W. Here then is Zig, very serious on parenting. Then I'd ask you to join Terry and me as we break it down. Is it tougher to raise kids today than it was 40 years ago? I'll let you be the judge. In 1940, the top offenses in public schools were as follows. Running in hallways, chewing gum, wearing improper clothing, which included leaving your shirt tail out, making noise, and not putting paper in the wastebasket. Those were the top offenses in our public school in 1940. What is it, 1980? In the public schools, not in order of occurrence, but here they are. Robbery, assault, personal theft, burglary, drug abuse, arson, bombings, alcohol abuse, carrying weapons, absenteeism, vandalism, murder, and extortion. Twelve of these are felonies. You see, I would be unrealistic if I were to say to you that what my mother did was no more difficult than what you're doing today because that simply is not true. We have more opportunities, but we also have more challenges. Well, I'm going to interrupt myself again. I'm back in the studio, and I want to briefly elaborate on some negatives which concern me deeply. Now, major problems in our society today include television, some of the music, drugs, and pornography. Much of the input through television and music our kids are listening to today is absolutely absurd. And remember, our input definitely does influence our output. So, what's the solution? Let me encourage you on one thing, to take your son or daughter to the local music store and get a copy of the top 20 songs currently being played in rock, punk rock, and country and western. I challenge you to read with your child the lyrics and then chat with your child about the possible impact this has in their minds. These songs, parents, literally advocate everything from premarital and extramarital sex to incest, homosexuality, sadomasochism, and even suicide. Now, don't take my word for it. Go and find out for yourself. As you read the lyrics, ask yourself the question, is this going to help my child or is this going to hurt my child? Now, as an example, Pink Floyd's music has been banned in 22 countries, so actually I'm not just expressing my opinion. Rolling Stone, uh, which is not exactly a conservative publication, says that Prince's album, Dirty Mind, may be the most generous album about sex ever made. At its best, it is positively filthy. You owe it to yourself and your child to read The God of Rock by Michael Haynes. Now, I encourage you, however, not to dogmatically prohibit your child from listening. Take that trip to the music store, reason with them, talk with them. But parents, in the final analysis, I remind you that it is your responsibility, and yes, you do have enormous influence in your child's life and what goes into your child's mind. Now, as far as TV is concerned, personally, if I had children today, six years old or under, I'm not sure I would even have a television set, but I would definitely not permit 
a small child under six to watch television unless I was seated by their side so that I could explain or screen what was being said. On March 7, 1985, an AP release pointed out that for the first time, the American Psychological Association has taken a position on the potential dangers in television violence. They concluded that there is a link between the mayhem on children's programs and aggressive behavior in children. The American Academy of Pediatrics Task Force on Children and Television concluded that repeated exposure to TV violence can make children not only accepting of real-life violence, but more violent themselves. Additionally, parents, every seven and one-half minutes on primetime television, drinks are offered, and 15 times out of 16, the drink is accepted. Have you noticed this? It makes no difference whether it's the good guy or the bad guy. If you're going to have any fun, the TV says you've got to have a drink. If you're facing danger or a bad guy, you've got to have a drink. If you've got a major decision to make, you've got to have a drink. If you need to relax, you've got to have a drink. The biggest danger, however, according to the Medical Society Journal, is not the behavior the television produces, but the behavior it prevents. What does it prevent? Well, it prevents conversation, visiting, and the development of the imagination while demanding that you rush home to catch the 6 o'clock news, arrange your social and family life to be home to watch your favorite program, and exclude any conversation with a drop-in neighbor until the program you're watching is over. Television also creates guttural, nonverbal speech like, man, uh, you know, you know, you know, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you, parents? I recently counted the professional athletes, you know, and in a 45-second interview, there were 14 of them. When the deer hunter was shown on television, over a period of time, 37 people took their lives in a manner precisely like the game of Russian roulette shown on that program, The Deer Hunter. Let me hasten to add, however, that all television is not bad. There are many worthwhile programs from musical presentations to light comedy such as The Bill Cosby Show. Some of the Wild Kingdom and National Geographic presentations are excellent. Many documentaries are good. I'm simply suggesting that you watch, screen, and restrict what your children are seeing. As I'll elaborate on later in the recordings, according to a study done in Missouri, 60 to 65 percent of a child's working vocabulary is acquired by the age of three. The question is, will I let my child's vocabulary be taught by Prince, Pink Floyd, Dr. Ruth, or television's J.R., or will I teach them what they should be learning? So what's the solution? Well, I suggest one of two routes. On Sunday afternoon, get your TV guide, look at the program for the coming week, give your child 10 coupons or less worth one hour each of viewing, agree upon what is acceptable, and have him cash in a coupon for each hour he watches. This teaches him to make wise choices, and he soon learns that when he has spent his TV time, it's gone. It will teach him to make better decisions, giving him reasonable exposure, and yet not letting it be the dominant force in his life. Now, the same approach, but with a different twist, is this. Use cash instead of coupons. Now, this is one of the things that's going to require a considerable amount of discipline on your part, but... As I've said, and we'll say again, raising positive kids is not easy. Now, let me hasten to add also that the age of your child and your own economic condition will dictate the practicality of this and the amount of money which is involved. But whether you're in an area and in an economy where 10 cents an hour would be all you could give to your child or whether you're one of those affluent people who normally give your child $5 every time they need it, let me hasten to add that this TV money I'm talking about is not going to work if you're already giving your child everything they need whenever they need it. But let me give an example about what I'm talking about. Let's say that you give your child $2.50 as a bonus for his 10 hours of television. What you do the Sunday afternoon when you look over your TV guide is you give him 10 quarters and explain that any time he wants to watch an hour of television, he's going to give you one of the quarters back. 
Now, if he chooses not to watch television, then at the end of the week, he's got all of those quarters left. Or as many as he has not spent, he still has. You take those quarters and do one of two things. Preferably, you put it in a savings account, like, for example, for college, and explain to your child that this money invested at this early age on a regular basis will provide him with the funds to go to college when he finishes high school. Not only will not watching the television give him the money, but it will enable him to have more time to develop physically and mentally and be better prepared for that college. Now, a lot of kids are not going to be interested in saving money that far ahead for college. So let him use that money for special treats like an evening out so that he can maybe uh, take a friend uh, out and buy them a hamburger, use the money to buy special items of clothing, which otherwise he could not get. Now, I encourage you, don't let him go down and buy some of those rock music records that we've already been talking about. You control to a degree what he does with that money. But as long as it's something that is useful and practical and are enjoyable that is non-destructive, I believe you'll find this to be a tremendous incentive for the child. Now, Henry Branchard, the head of the faculty at Timberton Park Schools in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, says that there should be no TV for youngsters through the first grade. Children in the second grade and above are urged to stay away from TV on school nights, and they restrict weekend viewing to no more than three or four hours. He points out that you can observe the effect with some youngsters almost immediately. Three days after they turn off the set, you see marked improvement in their behavior. So I I feel like the unset expectation from Zig is that we desire for our kids to have good character and integrity overall, that we care whether they ultimately add value to the world and others instead of landing in prison. I mean, any parent would, of course, say the former, but if we aren't leading them to that result intentionally, then we're letting other influences lead them wherever. I mean, if we take off from what Zig shared, my, my personal thoughts are the two main enemies to parenting these days are massive media influence more than ever, and then less time to intentionally teach and train our kids. Not that it's all lack of caring about them, but just literally lack of time as much as anything. And we were talking recently that I think I spent more time with our first three kids than our, our later four uh, next four kids. So, Terry, I mean, let's hit the biggie, media. And folks, I know we're going to show a very countercultural viewpoint. And for the record, we don't have seven kids because of some religious perspective. I mean, it's solely because Terry just could not keep her hands off me. <laughs> and second, we aren't what you'd call a conservative family overall. I mean, if you want a view of our lives for context, many of you do are, are with me on Facebook. You can find me at Agent K. Miller or Instagram, Agent Kevin Miller. We, we have a Christian radio station uh, here in, in the area that promotes being safe for the whole, whole family. And I don't like that term. We often uh, uh, joke about that. Our home, it would not be safe according to their standards. Uh, we're very raw, very real. But with that said, media. So Zig talks much about the input we allow in our own eyes and ears, and here his focus is on kids. So Terry, I'm going to lead off by hitting a blatant topic. I mean, you speak to mops, mops groups and have been involved with so many you know, moms and parents. Would you just tell them, hey, keep your kids in a tight bubble? Absolutely not. That's that's never going to work because if your kids are in school or out in the world at all, you're just going to end up with kids that are, are rebellious and angry and confused. And um, I don't I don't think that's the answer. But I don't believe that television needs to be a constant in the life of your children and in the life of your family. Um, television it has become such a standard in our culture that um, it is often left on all the time. And um, gosh, I'm going to I'm going to pull up some articles here, um, some scholarly articles um, on child development, uh, neuropsychological research. And um, pretty common knowledge is that now television is often left on constantly in homes And um, scientific research tells us that um, youth, children, school-age children, watch two to three hours of television per day. And that is an average in our country. That's not for the affluent. 
That's not for the those in poverty. That is across the board. That is an average across all cultures that our children are watching two to three hours of television per day. Can I jump in on something, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the aspect of it being on all the time, though. I mean, folks, you listen. To, we, we know about this, the input that we allow in. We had Seth Godin on... I don't know how many, it was a couple months ago, we had the, the interview with Seth Godin, and he was talking about the incredible value and influence of audio, and in regards to audiobooks and podcasts and those things, that he said that even when we aren't paying, paying attention, they're working. Now, he was talking about it in a positive standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if we've got Ziggler going, if we've got the Bible on tape, if we've got whatever positive information going that we aren't even listening to, listening to he says it's working okay now come over here to tv mm-hmm. tv and and just raw we'd say radio i think the same thing where you've got ads for whatever you got things promoted you got things talked about all this that it's going it's working even when we aren't paying attention and yet you're saying that for kids the average right now there's two to three hours where they are paying attention and the other rest of the time they're being programmed anyways right that it's probably in the background. So I'm going to read a little a little bit from an article um, that was published in 2011. Nicola Connors-Burrow and Lorraine McKelvey, Jill Fusell. Um, this is from, let's see, University of Arkansas Medical Sciences, College of Medicine, University of Arkansas Medical Sciences. Social outcomes associated with media viewing for children. So, and this is what the article says. In most families, media viewing is an integral part of daily life, even for the youngest members of the family. Recent reports suggest, um, this is what I was just saying, that young children in the U.S. watch an average of two to three hours of television per day. Exposure to media is nearly constant in some homes, as approximately one-third of young children live in homes where the television is left on most of the time, even if no one is watching. One-third. Although the positive benefits of educational programs have been documented. Right, we can all agree. There's lots of science about the positive benefits. So this is not what the article says. I'm... Interrupting myself here. This is more important just, what you're saying. Well, but it's just like what you said, that if, if you have the Bible on tape playing in the background, if you have inspirational music, that even when the TV is going on in the background, that is making an impact. Um, so it says, although the positive benefits have been documented, great, children's television viewing has also been associated with numerous negative outcomes, such as obesity, aggression, poor school performance, leading to concerns about how much and what young children are watching. And to that entire quote, I want to say, duh, we all know that. People, wake up. Open your eyes and be real. You know it's true. The crap your kids are seeing on TV is not educational, and it's not helping them. Well, so I think the perspective, and, and for this, my gosh, we love a good movie. So it's, uh, I, I told everybody we're recording from uh, your your study in our house during a blizzard, and we're not at the studio. And so we prepared for that. We got some cool movies. Last night we watched In the Heart of the Sea about mm-hmm. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. And uh, Concussion. And oh, my goodness. Con- Everybody needs to see that. Concussion, which was great with Will, Will Smith. Will Smith. And yeah, often we'll go for weeks sometimes not watching something, but we stocked up getting ready for the blizzard. And uh, and today I want to watch uh, what is it, the uh, Star Wars one. Yeah. But being incredible, but we don't have regular TV. Never have had regular old TV. I think we had rabbit ears when we had the little kids, our first little kids. Yeah. Uh, and we'd have PBS, and they'd watch some of that. But being so intentional with what we allow them to watch one well let's just stick on that because of course the other thing we want to get to then is what zig talks about is regardless of what they're watching what does it keep them from in regards to other valuable things in their life right now if we just talk about the aspect of media and we also folks understand my gosh we're parents of seven kids do you think we ever use the tv or a screen or a movie as a babysitter to save our own (laughs) self Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But still, what? That's what Moses, what is it? Moses King of Dreams? No, I got it wrong. 
Moses, Prince of Egypt. That's right, a great babysitter. Joseph yeah. King, those are great babysitter children's movies. We did, yeah. Beautiful music, the works. <laughs> okay, but but on this aspect, I mean, I think we could be ones that say, okay, we do a lot of intentionality with our kids. We try to show them a great example. And I can hear people say, gosh, seriously, do they not know the difference between good and bad? And so if they watch some stuff and it's some crap, I mean, is it really that big of a deal to have to be, you know, to control and, and monitor them? Well, I think it is because children, especially from birth through age five, um, children, this is the most um, gosh, formative. formative, yeah, the most formative time of a human being's life, birth through age five. And it's during those years that we're so often putting our kids in front of violent TV shows, Transformers and I don't even know what's out there anymore. Even stuff like SpongeBob SquarePants are just so many of the Disney shows where a, a half hour show, 25 minutes of it, 25 minutes of it, all the kids and the characters in the show are screaming and fighting at one another. And then the last five minutes, they have this sweet little resolution. Well, what did the, what did our kids take away from it? 25 minutes of, you know, cut downs and yelling and griping it's not the kind of influence so, we want to give our kids. So that, again, we're, we're so prone to focus on ourselves. So here we are listening to Ziegler. We're talking about the self-talk cards and giving ourselves positive input for our own self-image. And so if we think about all that input, everything is forming our integrity, our character. Our habits. Just our, how, are you, how are your kids going to speak? Our, how are we going to speak to each other? Absolutely. Yeah. Your habits. So if we're doing that, what are we choosing to let our kids listen to. So we did that. This was back in, it must have, no, no, it wasn't even PBS. I remember it was some seemingly harmless little. It was that dinosaur di- show. I what know, was some it? little dinosaur show. I don't know. Sarah, so, the Triceratops. <laughs> yeah, it's totally cute, totally cute stuff. Yeah. But in it, just like Terry said, in it, there was 20 minutes of the most bratty behavior between mm-hmm. this little girl and her brother. So our. Caleb and Autumn, 15 mm-hmm. months apart, are sitting there watching it. And they're we, like four and five years old. And so we'd see them playing all day a certain way. Then they watched an episode or two that we had on old VHS you know, tapes. Mm-hmm. And then we would overhear them. And they're talking like that. I was thinking, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And so we got rid of the stuff. I mean, it alters their behavior. And I think, yeah, just what you said, even if it's not terrible stuff, even if it's just the habits of mm-hmm. what we allow them to yeah. be exposed to. And then, like you said, they are so much more form, uh, what's the word? Formed? I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, formative. It's, it's yeah. such a more formative time. So can yeah. can we as adults listen to stuff and it doesn't impact us as much? Sure, though sure. we still shouldn't listen to crap. But with them, what are we allowing them to partake of? And, and we're talking about TV. Obviously the same with a movie. And these days, TV is Netflix and Amazon, which mm-hmm. they can go Hulu, and just watch whatever. Yeah. And then uh, uh, video games was the other one. Yes. We saw so many of the video games. It's, it's, it's not helpful stuff. No, so much aggression violence, negativity. Um, it's, it's a lot of, I'm going to take your stuff. It's taking, taking, taking. I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to eat your round glob so that I get bigger. Everything is about self-fulfillment at the expense of the other little characters on the screen. Mm-hmm. And that's, is that really what we want to build? Is that the kind of character we want to build in our kids? I mean, I say no, not for my kids. Mm-hmm. Time for a brief sponsor break to showcase fresh books. And I'll lead off with a question for all you entrepreneurs running your own small business like I do. If you started this minute, how much time would it take you to catch up on all your client invoices, organize all your receipts, and figure out which client owes you what and when? If just the idea of trying to work all that out feels overwhelming, then you need to give FreshBooks a try. FreshBooks, it's an incredibly simple cloud accounting software made for entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to take the work out of managing their paperwork. So you can join over 5 million FreshBooks users who effortlessly create and send invoices in seconds. No formulas, no formatting, no fuss. Snap photos of your receipts using your phone. Watch FreshBooks manage your expenses for you. You can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank account. So next time you use your debit card for that meal or tank of gas, it's recorded instantly in FreshBooks. Uh, The best part about FreshBooks is that feeling of peace you'll have when tax time comes just around the corner. So right now, FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day trial to Ziggler Show listeners. Just go to freshbooks.com slash Ziggler and enter Ziggler in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com forward slash Ziggler and enter Ziggler in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So again, you know, for our 
standpoint in this, uh, from our, gosh, our history and our experience, we did not have regular TV pumped in, and we have highly limited the amount, uh, well, we just say screen time. So mm-hmm. whether it's a phone, whether it's phones that they can play little games on, cell phones, which, yeah, we didn't go out and buy them, but then you get an upgrade and we have one and somehow we end up Grandparents with a pile, yeah, and- <laughs> pile of old iPhones. Uh, so whether it's that, whether it's laptops, we have three laptops in the house, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, iPads or, you know, whatever, your, your mobile devices or then the TV um, videos. We have a, what is it, a Wii mm-hmm. uh, that they yeah. play whatever game, Mario Kart. Mario Kart, and, Kart, yeah. And we just have to limit it. And so there, that's probably a good segue. So I think we've hit, hopefully, on media. I mean, the dramatic impact of influence and habits and reality that we allow them to see as opposed to teaching them, exposing them to character, morals, ethics, integrity. It's dramatic. So I want to I wanna just address um, really quick. I know I've got family members that say, you know, well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because television isn't all bad. There's lots of educational things. And there are. And that is fine. And I feel like that's where I agree. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we're very, very intentional about what we let play here in our home, what we let the kids watch. Um, and then I also want to address, it's it's just something that I feel like really, really helps um, my parenting choices and even my choices for myself, I think a lot, a lot about what I call an 80-80 perspective. And I know it should be an 80-20, but I think of it as 80-80. Because what I think of is I want to be doing 80% of the time, I want to be doing at least 80% of the best I can do in any given situation. Okay, now that sounds really pie in the sky. What I really mean is, okay, so 80% of the time I want to be watching programs with the kids or letting them watch programs that are 80% great. They may not be perfect because you know, it's really, really hard to find little programs that are 100% perfect. And so there may be something that's got a really fantastic message, but um, maybe it's got a couple of bad words. Well, you know, I'm not one of those parents that just I shy away from bad words, but I don't want my kids exposed to to bratty behavior or violence. So we all have our platforms. But for me, that's the 80-80. 80% of the time, I want to make sure that my kids are only being exposed to things that are at least 80% good. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And and on this, you know, I was was just thinking we have three older kids, 21 or almost 21, Mm -hmm. uh, 19 and 16. None of them get TV, regular TV. You turn it on, we'll go to a hotel room or something and turn mm-hmm. it on and flip through 30 channels. And it's, this is the, the most ridiculous. It, it's it's amazing how we can get numb to it and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's acceptable or it's ridiculous. And they look at it and go, oh my gosh, it's, it's ridiculous. They have no concept of how you just have the TV going all the time or what you find on there. And they're very intentional in what they watch. But like us, I mean, they love a good movie, love a good TV series. Mm-hmm. And we have done that, you know, plenty of times. So again, it's, 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 we've seen the testimony of it, but also just, you're talking about, are there good things? Yeah. It's a vehicle. Mm-hmm. There's books, yeah. there's audio tapes, there's, or audio tapes, audio, not anymore. Audios. <laughs> um, uh, videos, you know, TV, whatever, but it's a vehicle. Okay, but now can we jump then to the reality of that is a, that, how much time? How much time? Not some formulaic thing, but we look at it and go, gosh, if they're, if they're doing that, they may not be interacting with another. Now, there are some things where they sit there, you know, three or five of them together laughing and talking about Playing it. Mario Kart. They do four on yeah, a game and they laugh hilarious. Or even watching some interesting, you know, mm-hmm. show that talks about animals or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's value there. But we also realize they're not reading a book, which they're all voracious readers. And mm-hmm. that's a far greater mind development tool. In but we're very book. careful about what books they read, too. True. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Reading a book, um, playing, they build Legos is huge in our house, building mm-hmm. Lego, you know, doing that drawing, art, painting, mm-hmm. um, just imaginative play that they get together and make up games or it's the interaction with us. Mm-hmm. Cause it's easy for us to just let them, for me to go, gosh, they're all doing that. They're on a screen and hours go by and you and I are selfishly doing the things we want to do or having time for ourselves, which has some value, but still it's not when are we getting that in, intentional time to interact? So what is it? And Zig said this in the clip. What is it taking them away from? And he and I think he said, you know, imagination and oh gosh, physical activity. Good yeah, there, yeah, there's so much correlation between 
viewing or screen time and obesity, lack of activity. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, that's it. That's a no brainer. That's just the science is so out there. Yeah. Gosh, and I'll have to say in this, and again, guys, we're, we, I feel like we have just, we've gone through the ringer of doing things wrong and seeing it play out in our older kids and trying to correct it. So we're just with seven kids and the age ranges, we have more time to experience it, I guess. And we read how to raise positive kids in that negative world. Heck, my parents read it and raised me trying to utilize that. But yet to the physical activity, how many times we say, oh my gosh, screens off. Sometimes I'll just go shut the internet off too and go, <laughs> go outside, get outside. Uh, we have a big deck, 700 square foot deck out back that if you've been on Facebook, well, today we posted one. It's completely covered in snow, but we act, literally dug a hole in the hillside next to it so we could back up to it. The biggest trampoline that you can get. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is probably the number one most used outdoor activity. Mm -hmm. They go out there. Sometimes they'll take Legos and cars and play on the trampoline with that stuff. But the amount of time they spend bouncing and physical activity. Mm -hmm. So I, we keep... All winter, up here at 9,200 feet above sea level, we bust our butts to keep the deck shoveled and the trampoline <laughs> shoveled because the sun will come out in the middle of the winter and they go out. Well, heck, they'll go out in the snow Yeah, and, and jump on that thing. Much so, huge thanks to my parents. That's yes. the best grandparent gift ever. It's, we're, a trampoline. And this is, yeah, we're third the third fourth, one. Third trampoline yeah, that think, they've yeah. worn through. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you said something, though, that with screens, and I'm trying to think about this because I haven't really thought about in, 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 well, with anything else, if we talk about that, reading, Legos, imaginative play, uh, talking, uh, physical activity, all those things are things, even a book that you are, in a sense, engaged with, mm -hmm. I would say with a book, your mind is engaged in a different way. Anything on a screen, you are by proxy more so being a spectator. Yeah. Yeah, more so. I mean, a lot of the interactive games, you know, people can argue against that with some of the interactive video games because there are lots of interactive video games that absolutely build um, new brain connections. Mm. I mean, the science absolutely supports that, mm. but it, ju it just cannot be unmonitored. It can't be constant. It's got to be balanced with human connection, with physical activity, with relationships. Mm. So... Okay, so with this, I can hear people. Well, and we we've had debates, and I know people have talked about it. And some of the things that we do as parents, and in this one, we're talking about media. About gosh, doesn't it just seem controlling? It's so controlling, and that that's a word that's used with such negativity in today's parenting. Really, is we need to let our kids go. We need to let them be free. We need to let them yada yada. And, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Is it, does it come off? If you're accused of, gosh, it seems so controlling. You got to control everything that they're doing. Okay. Well, psychologically speaking, there are four general types of parenting, um, your parenting styles. Um, and on the, on the more, um, controlling side, we have authoritarian parenting, authoritarian, I-A-N is at the end of it. And that's the type of parenting you would expect from a drill sergeant dad. Um, very high expectations, structured environments. Um, there's a very clear and quick punishment, clear rules. Um, the parent would respond, because I said so. Um, the parent has power over the child. It is autocratic. There's little warmth. Um, yeah, I've heard that one. Another term is jerk. Well, okay. Well, okay. so, but I mean, some people there are, well, I, I think that I tended to parent that way early on with our first three. I tended more towards that. I wanted my kids to just obey because I said so. But of course, over the years, I, you know, I messed up my first three good enough that, you know, I learned really well. So for our last four, there's a five-year gap between. Yeah. She's promised to pay for counseling. For <laughs> yeah. Time. My first three, I'm like, oh, I'll help pay for your counseling, but they're very gracious and they still love us anyway. But, um, so authoritarian and then authoritative, which I'll talk about in just a minute. And then on the less controlling side, low control, um, uh, is permissive parenting and uninvolved parenting. Now, permissive parenting is um, gives lots of power to the child. You're the boss. 
Um, they that parent will avoid confrontation with their kids. They're very indulgent. There's very few rules. They have low expectations. They're very lenient and accepting of whatever their their child brings to them or, or what their child's doing. And a lot of parents absolutely believe that permissive parenting is the best way to go. Um, now, on the the downside of that, less controlling is uninvolved or neglectful parenting, and that can also be rejecting. Um, and these are parents that are often just absent. They're just uninvolved. They are neglectful, maybe because they're passive or they're uninterested. Um, maybe they're just too busy. This can be a workaholic parent. Um, they'd say to their kiddo, eh, you're on your own. Take care of it yourself. Now, science research shows that authoritative parenting produces the most positive outcomes. And I'm talking about things like relational health. And we just jump, not the authoritarian, uh, the militant. Right, not authoritarian, authoritative. but authoritative. Um, and so, like, I am looking on a screen. I wish I could give you all this picture. But authoritative is its own little box. And authoritative, I, I see as this beautiful combination of um, boundaries and love. And so the parent is very responsive. The parent is reciprocal. Um, they are in power with their children. It is a collaborative power. They have high expectations, very clear standards and boundaries. It is more democratic. They're more assertive, and yet they're also more flexible. And so the parent would respond to the child something like, hey, let's talk about it. So authoritative parenting, that is what research has shown, creates the most positive outcomes. And positive outcomes, I mean things like relational health, um, even um, financial success later in life, academic success for sure, behavioral success for children, and success, I'm just talking about the things that we would want our kids to have, to not be brats, to not like hit other kids and bite and throw fits and do things like wipe their lollipops on other kids' faces, you know? I mean, some yeah. kids just do the weirdest things. And parents allow it. Yes. And, and that's where, yeah, like the permissive, when it infringes on somebody, on, yes. on disrespecting somebody else or somebody else's things or whatever, that's where, yeah, the boundaries have got to have got to come in. It makes me think of sleep. You know, I, I know so many parents who let their kids choose their bed. Seriously? And let them get so little sleep. That's something where we were flat out authoritarian. You're going to bed. I mean, our kids are going to get 10 to 12 hours of sleep depending mm -hmm. on their age because we know it's best for them. We've seen the results of that. And uh, that, that, that was a strict boundary. I just think, I think a parenting style is something, it's a great thing to go research. You can Google it. Parenting styles. Those four parenting styles. You can Google authoritative parenting. What are the positive outcomes? Um, and it's something that we can strive for. I don't think it's it's something that anyone achieves. It's something that we strive for. Um, but again, I think often of that 80-80 rule, you know, that, okay, I want my kids 80% of the time to get at least 80% of perfect sleep. So it's rare that I'm every week, every day going to make sure they get their go to bed right at the perfect time and get their perfect amount of sleep. No one was up coughing. No one had to get up and go potty, you know, whatever. That's rare. But if I can focus on that 80, 80, 80% 80 of the time. And then I think another thing to strive for in authoritative parenting is very, very clear boundaries boundaries and guidelines are very clear. The expectations are high. And so when I speak to MOPS groups, I say the secret to, to great parenting is absolute consistency and absolute flexibility. Hmm. And it seems like those things are dichotomies, but they're not. It's to be completely consistent in that 80-80 perspective so that my kids know 7.30's bedtime. They go to bed at 7.30. There's no arguing, whining, you know, justifying manipulation. I need one more drink. That just, it's because our boundaries are very clear. That is what it is. And that is consistent, consistent, consistent. And yet, last night, we had a blizzard and we had a movie day and we stayed up till, goodness, 10 o'clock, yeah. even with the little ones. 
we went out, we put on our coats and our boots and we went out in the snow at 10 o'clock at night. It was beautiful. It was a holy moment and that was so worth it. So to be absolutely consistent and then absolutely flexible. And what, I don't remember which one, one of the little ones suggested it. We should just go out and walk in the snow, mommy. It's so beautiful. So to be flexible, to take advantage of those just godly, holy moments that are going to build beautiful memories. So we don't have to be the militant authoritarian. And then one of the other kids said something about, I wish we could have a slumber party downstairs all together. And so we did. But I mean, that's rare. Yeah, there's pictures on Facebook. <laughs> you can actually see it. It is, you know, a lot of as I'm listening to you talk and I'm looking at this thing you've got on the screen, you know, I don't know how we can be as parents fully submissive. We're talking about managing a life. I'm 45 years old. I have a hard enough time managing self-disciplining myself for what is best myself. Now, how can my six-year-old possibly do that? My six-year-old, if I just let them do whatever he wanted to do, would watch TV all day and eat nothing but sugar yeah. and processed food. That's what he wants because he's just flesh. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. It's my job, one, to make sure that he does what's healthy for him. I, so how can I be absolutely permissive? And I have to be authoritative. I have to have boundaries uh, for him. And I'm also tra- training and teaching him so that he will continue to do that. But that hits against your authoritarian. If I just do it militantly, he'll mm-hmm. rebel against it. Yes. So it's that teaching, doing it out of love yeah. uh, with some, like you said, flexibility. I mean, I see that play out mm-hmm. so dramatically. You said something a minute ago that made me think of that aspect of a well-adjusted kid. We've talked about that. That's the that's the term you use, right? Mm-hmm. That we often use. Oh, we want a well-adjusted child. And we've kind of made fun of that because you can have him well-adjusted to abuse. Right. That's not really what we're, so the, I, I tend to, and I think we talked about this on that. I want my kids to be, you know, healthy, valuable to others mm-hmm. and as fully functioning in all capacities as possible. I want fully functioning kids. Is that? Yeah. I mean, well, psychologically speaking. Okay. So yeah, I'm, this is sort of my focus, like child development, neuropsychology, you know, the, the, per, the psychological perspective, because um, the world will often say a psychological, a successful kid, sorry, is one that, you know, gets straight A pluses and is the overachiever, you know, A, pers- a type personality and is going to go on to, you know, dominate in business. Okay, but psychologically speaking, often those super duper highly successful people are not psychologically healthy because they have high levels of anxiety, um, relational unhealth. Relational health is very important when we are talking about being psychologically well-balanced. Relationships, anxiety levels, um, overall health and wellness. How well does that kiddo, how well do you sleep? Things like that. Those those create a successful human. Well, and I have to say in my work in the medical field now, we're seeing especially, I don't know, well, it's probably because they just come, they happen to come in more. They're more willing to. Girls with uh, late teen girls who have issues that are more common with 30 to 4 year old uh, mm. women. A lot of them psychological, but then it often manifests itself physically and they've got issues going on there. So we're seeing a bad trend mm. in regards to just what you're saying to, to again, not fully functioning. Yeah. Um, you know, that one thing that we didn't hit in all this, too, that's probably worth hitting, it, you know, just when we talk about influences that we have to intentionally grapple with with our kids is school. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about a kid that's at school for eight hours a day getting influences there, uh, th- well, that led us initially to homeschooling. And you, Terry, homeschooled our kids for I don't know how many years. A long time. Uh, 12, I don't know, something, yeah. In recent years, uh, we now have four little kids in private Christian school Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then a daughter who's full-time in high school. And Mm -hmm. we had another daughter that was was a couple years full-time in high school. Mm -hmm. This isn't a debate on homeschooling or or school. Um, No, not at all. And every year you have to reevaluate what's right for your family and for your kids. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, but it is a, a relevant issue when we look at, again, folks, this is the Ziggler Show. It's Zig talking about what we put into our minds, what we are exposed to. And there's some of us, some of you, who, as much as you're trying to do on your own, you're having to deal with negative influences at work that you cannot control, and you have to manage those. Well, we have kids who have the same thing. Now, we live in a small town. I would say we are in still somewhat of a bubble in here. We have our kids at a private Christian school, but even if they're in the regular school, it's it's not the Bronx. Yeah. You know, and you may be where you, it's it can be a, a lot worse, but it's something then that you have to deal with. You have to counteract the negative. You have to teach and train. And that's a big part of that's a big part of this issue as well. And we're talking about kids because we're talking about the ongoing minute by minute, hour by hour, day to day influences that they are exposed to that create their ha- habits and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, their habits and beliefs. How, yeah. That's what this show is about. That's what Ziggs and that's, that's what his premise was here is what are we doing to help or hinder our kids' exposure to whatever that is going to shape their habits and their beliefs and ultimately their life. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. All right. I just keep thinking about striving that I don't want... Oh, I don't know. I don't want, I can tend to get so, you know, strong and passionate about something, but I wouldn't want anyone to listen to this and feel like, yeah, whatever, forget it. That's just too impossible that it's always about striving. Anything Mm -hmm. we're doing is about striving. And I, you know, we can laugh and say, oh, we messed up our first three kids. I did so much wrong with my first three kids. And not everybody gets that sort of second chance like we did. We had a a surprise number four about five years later, so we thought we were done. A surprise number four, and then consequently five, five, six, six, and seven. Yes, but and and it has been this incredible gift of of kind of getting a second chance to parent better, to be a better mommy, to learn from all the rotten things that I did and the rotten ways that I was and. I just, I just want to encourage everyone that this is just about striving. Brene Brown has this fantastic book called Rising Strong. She talks about how if we're going to do anything worthwhile in life, we're going to fall. If I want to skate beautifully, I'm going to fall on my butt five billion times. If I want to do anything worthwhile, I am going to fall so much before I can really shine. And she talks about the biggest thing is, can we rise strong from our falls? That's what separates those who are going to do something great and have a fulfilling life. That's what separates wholehearted living. Not how many times you fall, but can you rise strong from it? Can you press through? Well, hey, there's a great, great point to wrap up on. So, folks, again, you were so gracious when we did our couple shows on marriage. And I said, hey, if it's something that was of value, let us know. So many of you did in iTunes. You gave a great review there. I'd ask the same thing here. If this is a topic, parenting, that hits a nerve with enough of you, uh, let us know. We'll continue it. If it's if it's not, then we'll uh, not do it as often here on the Ziggler Show, but it was, a, again, a primary topic for Zig because of the impact, the dramatic impact on life that parenting has. So, mm-hmm. my love, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Folks, thanks for tuning into the Ziggler Show. Can't wait to talk with you in the next one.